Good afternoon, and welcome to the YEXT third quarter fiscal 2020 financial results call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please note this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Dominic Pachel. Please go ahead. Thank you, Ben, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to YEX's third quarter fiscal 2020 conference call. With me today are Howard Lerman, founder and CEO, Steve Cakebread, Chief Financial Officer, and Jim Steele, President and Chief Revenue Officer. Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone that this call may contain forward-looking statements, including statements about revenue and non-GAAP net income guidance, gross margin, cash flow, market opportunities, capital expenditure, retention rates, business performance, and other non-historical statements as further described in our press release. These forward-looking statements are subject to certain risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, including those related to YEX growth, evolution of our industry, product development, and success, including the introduction, prospects, and market opportunities of answers and general economic and business conditions. These statements reflect the company's current expectations based on its beliefs, assumptions, and information currently available to it. Although we believe these expectations are reasonable, we undertake no obligation to revise any statements to reflect changes that occur after this call. Descriptions of these and other risks that could cause actual results to materially differ from those forward-looking statements are discussed in our reports filed with the SEC, including our most recent report on Form 10-Q and our press release that was issued this afternoon. During the call, we also referred to non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations with the most comparable GAAP measures are also available in the press release, which is available at investor.yex.com. With that, I will turn the call over to Howard. Thank you, Dom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third quarter earnings call. Revenue grew 30% over the third quarter of last year. Unearned revenue for the third quarter grew 32% year over year. And the number of structured facts, it's an indication of engagement and usage, reached $259 million, which grew more than 65% from the year-ago quarter. And during the quarter, we signed the largest new enterprise client deal in the history of the company with Subway to, provide, to power brand-verified answers for more than 30,000 of its restaurants in the United States and Canada and Europe. This is a massively important milestone. And during Q3, we also signed contracts with leading brands like Liberty Tax, Pilot Travel Centers, Lucky Brands, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We expanded and renewed contracts with the Toronto Dominion Bank, AutoZone, HEB, Wells Fargo, Qdoba, and H&R Block. We've never been more excited about the demand for Yext, but in Q3, the launch of our new Answers product disrupted our sales execution. It elongated purchasing cycles as customers who were down a path with Yext got excited about answers and wanted to learn more before buying Yext, and it slowed some deal cycles. All that said, we have never seen a stronger pipeline and stronger market demand for the Yext Search Experience Cloud. 
And while we have the most experienced rep we, reps we've ever had, still 45% are new since the beginning of the year, so introducing a new product to a group of reps who are just getting comfortable with our existing products was a lot for them to digest. That said, we have never been more excited about our future. We have an amazing new product and answers, which we believe has doubled our TAM. We now have 250 quota carrying reps, the highest number and most experienced we've ever had. We believe we have the strongest pipeline and demand generation we've ever seen. We now have a complete search experience solution that every brand on the planet can benefit from, and we have never been in a stronger position going forward. Let's talk a minute about Yext Answers, a revolutionary new product. With Yext Answers, anyone with a website can answer questions in their own domain in a Google-like experience. See, believe it or not, most companies today can't answer basic questions about themselves on their own website. And when a user can't get an answer from a company's own website, they bounce back to Google and run the same search, and then the brand's lost control of the customer journey as the user's lost in a sea of results and competitive ads and third-party sources, which are rife with misinformation. Yext Answers based on natural language processing that accesses facts in the knowledge graph, keeps brands in greater control of the customer journey and increases conversion on a brand's website. You see, unlike traditional site search, which is built on technology that uses keywords to return links to documents, Answers gives a direct answer to the question, just like Google does, except it's on a company's own domain. Brands across multiple industries have already transformed their websites with answers during its early adopter period, including BBVA USA, 3Mobile, and IHA. These customers and many more we've already signed and are already live are already seeing results. And let's talk about one for a minute, 3Mobile. They've been able to use Yext Answers to achieve significant customer insights. Previously, they were using Yext to power their store locations and listings. But now with Answers, they know so much about what their customers are looking for. Graham Johnson, that's their kilt-styling executive who you may recall from the investor breakout at Onward, he emailed our team to say, and I quote, it was great to see the insights and suggested content from the first day. Some of the search terms alone have opened up our eyes to some massive missed opportunities, both commercially and experientially, end quote. We are just at the beginning of customer success with Answers. We just launched this product, but we're already on a run rate to handle over 5.7 million searches and deliver a stunning 2.8 million clicks per year. The data first proves that people use site search. And second, that Yext Answers, that the Yext Answers search engine is delivering search quality so superior that users are engaging with the results by clicking. In fact, one of, the large, one of our large financial clients informed us that they've already seen a 25% increase in conversion on their website when their customers use Answers versus their old site search. And this is a huge lift. With Answers, Yext can offer brands a com comprehensive solution to power their search experiences everywhere from one single platform. Every customer journey starts with a search. Today's modern search experiences don't just link to documents. They understand questions and provide answers, which come from a knowledge graph. And with the YEX knowledge graph, brands can create entities to represent every fact they want the world to know about them. That's the foundation of our platform. And our strategy is to build applications on top of the knowledge graph that let our customers power search experiences to meet their customers everywhere. So, for example, listings leverages 
all the locations the customer has in their knowledge graph to be published in Google Maps and voice search applications like Siri and Alexa. And next, our Pages product lets companies build a website, a web page for every fact that's stored in their knowledge graph, optimized to appear in search. And now with answers, a company can answer a question on their own domain about any fact stored in their knowledge graph in a Google-like experience. And if a fact changes, say a health system adds a new insurance accepted or a financial services company launches a new credit card, they simply update their knowledge graph and boom, their customers find the latest facts anywhere they're looking, whether it's on Google, Facebook, Alexa, now in a company's own website, and now in their own site search too. And so we're positioning this comprehensive solution as the Yext Search Experience Cloud, delivering brand-verified answers everywhere consumers search. Every customer journey starts with a search. The Yext Search Experience Cloud provides the answer. With answers, we believe the total addressable market for the Yext Search Experience Cloud has effectively doubled. Answers is opening up new industry segments like CPG and technology and new types of entities for our existing customers who want us to answer questions about their business. We're already seeing success selling into new segments with wins like Campbell's and expanding entities into existing customers like Free Mobile, who now want to be able to answer any type of question about their business, not just about their locations. Since every customer journey starts with a search, we believe the Yex Search Experience Cloud will become a critical component within our customers' DXP, or Digital Experience Platform, stack. This means we're well-positioned to capture share within the $14 billion DXP market, which Gartner estimates is growing at approximately 14% per year. And so, in total, we now believe our addressable market opportunity has expanded from the $10 billion number at the time of our IPO to more than $20 billion with the addition of answers. And we are well-positioned to capture share driven by our comprehensive search experience cloud platform. We've never been more optimistic about our future. We have a complete search solution. We have an exciting new product that effectively doubles our TAM. We have the most tenured set of sales reps we've ever had. And above all, we stand at an important time when the world needs Yext. Misinformation is running rampant online. Our mission to power the truth and drive our customers more transactions from their search experiences has never been more prescient. Now I'll turn the call over to our President and Chief Revenue Officer, Jim Steele. Thanks, Howard. As Howard noted, the launch of Answers is significant but did delay our deal cycles. Despite this issue, we continued to win new business this quarter closing 88 deals with at least $100,000 in total contract value versus 71 deals in the same period last year, including three deals that resulted in at least $1 million of total contract value, including new logos and renewals of existing customers. Total number of mid-market and enterprise customers increased 46% year-over-year to 1,766 customers. This is notable since Howard just walked you through the answers upsell opportunity and path. This means we have an expanding mid-market and enterprise customer base available to upsell with compelling products like answers. I think it's worth repeating that the sales cycles for a typical enterprise seller can take multiple quarters, especially on deals exceeding $1 million. The sales cycle for a typical mid-market seller is about half the time of an enterprise seller. 
Though the sales cycles are longer, total contract values are meaningfully larger in the mid-market and enterprise than in small business. Subway, which Howard announced as Yex's largest new enterprise client deal in the history of the company, was a multi-quarter due diligence and sales process. In addition to Subway in Canada and Europe, internationally we had some very nice wins. In Europe, we added logos such as Motability Operations, the Abbey Field Society, Asada Stores in the UK, Riva out of Germany, and a significant expansion at Marston's, Charlotte Tilbury, and the Body Shop International. Japan's most impactful deal of this quarter was Exibio uh, Group, one of the largest sporting goods company, uh, companies in Japan. I'm happy to say we have built an exceptional sales team worldwide. Nearly 20% of our total employee base are quota-carrying sales reps. This is a significant increase from the start of the year, growing 45% to 250. We've now exceeded our sales hiring target for the year, and I believe we are laying a strong foundation to capture this enormous business opportunity Howard talked about. We will continue to hire the best, but now, in fourth quarter, we're shifting our focus to driving execution and efficiency, in particular across enterprise and mid-market. We now have the comprehensive solution. We have the marketing, the sales enablement, the go-to-market team, and the opportunity all aligned to realize their full potential. So now I'll turn the call over to Steve to walk you through the quarter in more detail. Steve? Jim, thank you. While the launch of answers and the momentum generated at Onward 19 are not reflected in our current financials, they do position us nightly for long-term sustainable growth from our expanded market opportunity. Our third quarter revenue grew 30% to $76.4 million. Revenue excluding small business customers grew 34%, highlighting the increasing role of our enterprise and mid-market investments. In addition, international revenue grew 67% year-over-year to $13.6 million. Unearned revenue increased 32% from the year-ago period to $107.5 million. And as of October 31, we had $252 million in remaining performance obligation, or RPO. And our backlog includes another $32 million in revenue that's under contract but subject to accounting exclusions. On that basis, we have $284 million in estimated future revenue under contract. Net retention was 107% for the overall company and comparable with Q3 last year and our enterprise and mid-market net retention was 110%, again, consistent with Q3 last year as well. Gross margins were 73.3% this quarter, compared to 74.6% last year. That's driven in part by hiring in our services organization and additional lease expenses. Keep in mind, year-to-date gross margins are still 74.2%. And we feel comfortable that over time our gross margins will continue to be in the range of 73 to 77%. Total OPEX increased from 66.7 million last year to 98.8 million this quarter. Primary drivers of this increase was the overall growth in headcount, including the increase in our quota carrying sales reps, along with the new leases in New York, District of Columbia, and London. And we'll be incurring double lease expense in New York until our one Madison Avenue lease expires in December of 2020. This 
specifically, the annual run rate for our lease at 1 Madison Avenue is $4.8 million per year, while the annual run rate at 61 Ninth Avenue is $10.3 million a year. Once our lease at 1 Madison expires at the end of December 2020, our run rate for our lease expense in New York will be approximately $10.3 million annually. Keeping in mind, in Q4 of this year, our lease expense at 1 Madison will be $1.2 million and $2.6 million at 61 Ninth. Third quarter net loss increased from $22.9 million a year ago to $42.7 million this quarter on the basis of our 113.5 million weighted average basic shares outstanding, net loss per share of 38 cents this quarter compares to 23 cent loss a year ago on the basis of 99.6 million weighted average basic shares outstanding. Non-GAAP net loss, excluding stock-based compensation, increased from $10 million a year ago to $21.6 million this quarter and our non-GAAP net loss of $0.19 cents per share this quarter compares to $0.10 cents in the year-ago quarter. So please refer to the press release we issued this afternoon for a reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP results. Cash and cash equivalents were $245 million as of October 31, 2019. Net cash used in operations for the third quarter was $31.8 million as compared to net cash used in operations of $22.6 million in the year-ago period. The biggest drivers were the increase in headcount, changes in unearned revenue, and our new leases. Onward 19 expenses are also impacted this quarter. As to guidance, in the fourth quarter, we expect revenue to be between $79 million and $81 million. And in the same period, we anticipate non-GAAP loss per share of between $0.15 cents and $0.13. Cents which reflects the impact of $0.03 cents on our new lease agreements in New York and D.C. This also assumes a weighted average basic share count of approximately 115.2 million shares. We do, be, we do expect to be operating cash flow rates in the fourth quarter, consistent with past seasonal trends. Turning to the full year, we now expect $296.5 million to $298.5 million in revenue, our non-GAAP net loss per share range is now expected to be in the range of $0.51 cents to $0.49, cents, and this includes a $0.09 cent per share from the impact of our new lease agreements in New York and D.C. This also is based on an assumed basic weighted average share count of approximately 111.8 million shares. We're focused on growing the business, driving to non-GAAP break-even, and getting to operation, operating cash flow break-even. As we head into the fourth quarter, I'm thrilled about the new initiatives we put in place that Howard and Jim discussed. Specifically, we've exceeded our hiring plan during the quarter, resulting in 45% year-to-date increase in the size of our sales team. We grew our mid-market and enterprise customer base by 46% year-over-year. We've launched a game-changing product in Answers, and the customer feedback has been very positive and initial market response has been encouraging and we've seen a 65% growth in the number of facts, the X-Knowledge graph. As we mentioned, we have a strong solution in our search experience cloud platform and a consistent message to explain our business. I'm feeling confident about our ability to realize our opportunity and drive toward our long-term plan. And with that, we'll turn it back to the operator and open for questions. Thank you. 
Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Our first question comes from Koji Ikeda with Oppenheimer. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, great, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so I had a question kind of thinking about the future growth profile of the business here, specifically next year. So, you know, with the – it sounds like you had a great launch of answers, but that really pushed out some of the sales cycles, uh, resulting in that fourth quarter guide looking kind of at the mid-20s. So, you know, considering that you guys are a subscription business and you have talked about 30% sustained growth uh, in the past, um, do you still feel confident that you can grow 30% next year? Thank you. Thanks, Koji. Uh, this is Howard. I'll take that question first. Uh, look, you know, we launched an amazing new product in Answers in Q3. And anytime you launch a new product, it's going to be a little bit disruptive. This is the first major product that we've launched in five or six years. And it slowed the deal cycles down a little bit for upsells for new customers. Uh, you know, think about, for example, if you were launching, if you broke your iPhone and then in 30 days, Apple was releasing the iPhone 11 and you had an iPhone 10, you'd think a little bit about, am I going to buy the 10 now or are we going to wait 30 days and buy the 11? So we had some deals that slowed and uh, as, as, as a consequence of launching this product. Second, we started the quarter off by kicking off a planned enablement roadshow in preparation and it took about 200 reps off the field for a couple weeks. Um, we knew it would give them a little bit less time to sell, but we didn't expect it quite to elongate the deal cycle in the quarter. And then, you know, the final thing I'll just say about the the sales execution issue that we experienced with the launch of Answers is that, look, 45% of our reps are new this year. They uh, they all are getting comfortable with our existing products and starting to be able to sell them, but then throwing a brand new product at them with some new buyers and some new different types of uh, dynamics involved was a little bit of a curveball, and it took uh, it took a little bit longer for them to digest that. So that's kind of our view on the sales execution in Q3. But that said, we've never seen a stronger pipeline. We've never felt stronger market demand for the Yex Search Experience Cloud, and we see the early feedback from all the, the new initiatives we're launching. And I want to say just one other thing, which is that we're an innovative company. We believe every company in the world that has a knowledge graph, we believe every company in the world that has a website is going to need a knowledge graph in order to sort out all the different facts about their company and put them everywhere people are searching. Every customer journey starts with a search. And whether that's on Google, whether that's on a company's own website, we want to be, we have the opportunity to be the company that provides the answer to that search. It's a very compelling and strategic place to be. And so we're really excited about this opportunity. We doubled our TAM with the launch of this new product. We have uh, the most complete set of sales reps we've ever had, the most tenured we've ever had. We have a complete solution with the Xsearch Experience Cloud. And we believe very much that um, our future is our best days are ahead of us and i'll turn over yeah. to jim for a sec yeah thanks uh I'll, koji this is jim Steele. just to kind of add some color you know at the beginning of the third quarter we were getting ready to launch answers so we brought our sales team as howard said that created obviously a lot of time out of uh, selling mode and we brought them in to train them on answers which is a very different sales cycle we have a different buyer 
in, in many cases, in fact, all the cases, we've been selling at a much higher level. It turns out that every company is, uh, views their website as sacrosanct. They want to make sure that they're very protective of it. And up until now, we've been powering, you know, their external um, kind of digital ecosystem with the Googles and Facebooks and Yahoo, Yahoo's and Bing's and Yelp and everyone else. But when you're you're dealing with their website, you know, it's a different um, level of being protective as a customer. So the CMO, the CIO in particular, and the chief digital officers all got involved, and we're dealing with different budgets. So it created some complexity in terms of understanding the data architecture uh, that goes into selling answers is really taking the knowledge graph that we've been already selling for, for a while. It drives our listings and pages products, but now we're, we're also powering their internal website. So there, there was a lot of interest. And just to give you an idea, we, we almost had too much interest because when we trained the reps, at the same time, we asked our sales teams for nominations for their customers for early adopters, knowing that we weren't actually going general availability with answers until the last few days of October, the last few days of our quarter. And we had 10 slots that we had available capacity-wise to deal with early adopter customers. Well, we had this overwhelming response. We had 130 nominations, and the customers all got excited. They said, yes, we need this. We're interested in learning more. And, and I'll give you one example. We had a, a healthcare company, a very large healthcare company, that we were already working on a knowledge graph and listings opportunity. And when we introduced answers to them, they got very excited, but it, it brought uh, a whole new sales path because we got involved with different executives and they we went down a different path and they had different budgets. They wanted to bundle the two deals together. So that deal did not close in the third quarter, which we had expected. Uh, we do expect, you know, hope, knock on wood, we, we do want to win this deal. Hopefully in 90 days we'll be talking about it. But this is the kind of thing that happened. It definitely created a pause as customers wanted to understand how answers fits in and they wanted to leverage an answers uh, purchase along with their other solutions that they're buying. But to Howard's point, our demand has never been stronger. We have never been better prepared going into a quarter than we are today from a capacity point of view with 250 sales reps all trained and enabled on our solution. We've got this platform now with the knowledge graph and the new product with answers that it has just unbelievable demand. And from a leadership point of view, the leadership team and revenue has never been in a stronger place. We've got a world-class team. We have Patrick Blair running our commercial business unit sales. We've got Dave Rodnitsky running our enterprise business. We've got Wendy Sturgis in Europe, our CEO of Europe, who has been with Yex over eight years. And we we recently brought on Mary Frado Rowe from Salesforce a couple months ago to build our customer success organization and make sure our customers are getting the, the, the most value they can out of our product. So the combination of all that, and then we have Udasan as our CEO of Japan. He built Salesforce Japan for 10 years. And with that team and the pipeline that's never been stronger, I am really excited about the growth opportunities for next year and starting, you know, going into the fourth quarter, we're in a very strong position. Right. And I'll, I'll just remind everybody, I mean, we did grow 
Q3 revenue 30%, unearned revenue grew 32%, backlog at $283.7 million at the end of this quarter leaves us in good position for the fourth quarter and going forward. With our product offering and all the stuff that Jim described, I mean, our long-term growth strategy is still intact. Our focus clearly is on Q4 because that drives our fiscal year 21 uh, guidance, and we'll give you all that stuff next quarter as we both finish Q4 and finish our budgeting. But I feel really good with where we're at. We've never been better positioned as a company for the products, the sales team capacity, the solutions we have, and growing the TAM just gives us a huge amount of opportunity. So, yeah, we think the long-term growth plans are still very much intact here. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Our next question comes from Naveed Khan with SunTrust. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Rod. A uh, couple of questions. So um, maybe, uh, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, you guys talked about a few things in terms of, you know, that might have affected the quarter and also going forward, including maybe a couple of lost weeks uh, for training the sales reps as well as uh, longer decision-making. If you have to think about Q4, um, how much of the impact was kind of one time, you know, related to training the sales reps versus uh, sales cycle getting elongated? And I think uh, you also mentioned about uh, pipeline being at a uh, at a record. Um, is there at some point a catch up when you know you see more conversions happening in the pipeline and people just kind of um, uh, uh, basically willing to commit more dollars? Uh, or how should we be thinking about it? I, I thought answers uh, in some ways could actually help accelerate sales just because it's, it's so compelling. And can you just help us walk through uh, that thinking on your end? Thanks, Naved. Uh, it's Howard. I'll take the question. We don't see this as a multi-quarter problem. We expect to have a seasonally strong Q4. It's not a catch-up quarter. Um, our deal flow is strong, but these these are big deals, and it's a new product, so there's a little bit longer closing cycles as large deals take time. We've got to educate customers on the new product, get embedded into our customers' account. They've got to find budget for answers. So we won't make up in Q4 what we've missed in Q3, but we're building a pipeline strong, and we've got great demand momentum. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, so this is uh, sort of a new metric you released around like new custom, uh, total customer count, including the midsize. Uh, can you give us a sense of what the contribution is from midsize uh, currently and how that might grow? Yeah, I think, you know, we just started in our mid-market, so um, a lot of our business still comes from the larger enterprise accounts. And quite frankly, that's where a lot of the hiring came in the last couple months in Q3 was in our mid-market. So you'll see mid-market start to become a contributor over the next year. But as you know, there are smaller deals, quicker deal cycle, which is why we want to invest there in some great accounts. But um, for this quarter and I think for the next couple quarters, you'll see us still be dominated by enterprise deals predominantly. And we do encourage you to stop at Subway on your way home to support our newest, largest customer. Thanks. Uh, with respect to headcount, um, can you maybe just uh, brief us on what you're thinking? Is do you think your the hiring might slow down a bit because you're at an appropriate level, or what kind of sure? I think so. There's a couple things here on the overall company headcount. Of course, you know we've been on on plan and um, we will continue to be there. What we've done is accelerated the sales rep hiring, 
and uh, that's still going to be a point a point uh, of focus here. We, you know, and you've heard me say this. We're not in the 32 NFL markets in North America. We have a great opportunity, clearly an international growing at 67%. So we're going to continue to hire um, both sellers and developers predominantly in this company. That said, you don't bring on the quantity of sales reps in the period, short period of time that we did without taking a little bit of a breather, assimilating them and getting them productive. And so you'll see us kind of push ahead as uh, business pushes ahead. Um, but right now we've kind of got to integrate all these people we just brought on and make them successful. Um, but we've not we've not stopped hiring. We've not really slowed hiring um, in the areas of development and, and uh, sales reps. Thank you. Our next question comes from Mike Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hey guys, Adam Bergeron from Mark Murphy. Um, first question on Yex conversion tracking. Um, so some partners during Onward said that that's the feature they're most excited about during it. Um, and independent of the sales cycle elongation, um, do you guys have any feedback on how this might be helping or like changing the sales process um, since it makes it easier for customers to track ROI? So Yex conversion tracking, just to give everyone a sense of what that is, if you haven't seen it before, it allows customers to track not just the clicks that they're getting out of uh, their search experiences, but also track conversions as they define it. Uh, this is a new feature we launched at Onward. Uh, it's part of our existing packages, and it lets customers see not just clicks, but also conversions as well across their listings, on their pages, and with answers. Um, it doesn't change the amount that they're getting from the product. It's just a new way for them to analyze the features. So I don't think that has any impact whatsoever on the, on the sales or sales execution. You know, one of the coolest things about UX Answers is that you can see what people are, are typing in, what they're searching for, what they're asking questions about, and quickly react. And then you can, for the first time, add a transaction to a site search. So traditional site search today, when you run a site search, if you go to like Citibank.com and you search for something, what they do is they give you 10 blue links back. You try like searching for like student checking account and you'll see like, oh, there's like 10 links to maybe their relevant results. But with Yext Answers, for some of our customers that are using uh, uh, this product, like we have several banks that are already live on it. Now, if you type in say branches near me, you get a Google-like experience back with maps and the maps have transactions on them. And those transactions include phone calls and driving direction requests. It can actually be whatever the customer wants. So for the first time, we've made it possible for a company to transact right off, sorry, for a, a user to transact right off the search engine results page of a site search, kind of like you can in Google. And this is a breakthrough, and customers are already seeing the results from this. I think I mentioned that one of our customers, uh, a, a, a bank, and they're a pretty big bank, has seen a 25% increase in conversions. These are real people that are converting right off the page to a user that uh, went through Yext Answers versus went through their old site search. That's a huge lift, and it's going to have a real impact on their bottom line. Great. Thank you. Um, and second question, you know, as you guys continue to build out your indirect sales channel, um, do you guys have any feedback on the uptake of the certification program that you guys released? Um, I believe it was called the Hitchhiker Program. Um, and how is it being adopted amongst major SIs? Thanks. Hitchhikers is our new program that lets customers uh, 
get certified and become super experts in our product. We had extraordinary demand uh, for people to become hitchhikers at Yaks. Think of every SaaS company like Salesforce. You have a, a Salesforce certified administrator at your company, or maybe you purchase access to a Salesforce administrator that works at Salesforce. That's the program that we're implementing now. And these are experts in the product that help companies get set up. And hitchhikers play a key role in helping a company get set up, maintaining their knowledge graph, creating the original architecture and schema for that graph, keeping all the entities live, getting all the connections into the knowledge graph so the data can flow in from all the different systems across the company, making sure the data can make it out to any partner that might be using Yext via our app directory, and then also setting up the pages, setting up the, the websites, getting all the styling correct. There has to be some basic CSS and some other type of uh, some coding to kind of make that happen. It's not like hardcore engineering, but it's, you need to have some technical expertise to do it. And then finally, watching the queries come in, watching the questions come in, as people ask stuff, we've got to be able to answer. And so uh, hitchhikers are experts at being able to quickly react and keep a customer current in all their search experiences everywhere. That's, that's the goal of this program, and it's going to be more formally rolled out. We, we took initial interest. We had overwhelming response, and uh, these hitchhikers are going to be a key part of helping customers get going like certified administrators are for Salesforce. Our next question comes from Tom White with DA Davidson. Please go ahead. Uh, great. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, in the prepared remarks, you guys talked about uh, kind of a strong pipeline and, and demand exiting onward for answers and, um, you know, the fact that it, it customers wanted to, I guess, learn a bit more about the product. Given that, uh, Steve, is there any kind of color you can give us uh, on, on, on sort of the trajectory for kind of unearned revenues uh, growth in the fourth quarter? And then just to follow up to another question about the outlook for next year, I just wanted to clarify um, Steve, it sounded as though uh, you guys were still comfortable with, you know, sort of that 30%-ish uh, revenue growth target that you guys have, have talked about in the past and just uh, wanted to get clarity there given sort of the, the slower exit uh, uh, to the year and some of the comments about the elongated sales cycle. Thanks. Sure. I think on, on the, the long-term strategy and where we see ourselves is that 30-plus growth is still intact and, and, quite frankly, it's stronger just because – market size, sales quality, new products, et cetera. So that's not changed. I mean, you have to be a little careful. You look at our quarters. Keep in mind we're still big deal enterprise-driven, so we're going to get some volatility in the quarterly numbers, but year-to-date we're still in our model. In terms of Q4, yeah, there's there the, obviously Onward generates a huge amount of demand, with particularly when you bring out new products. We have a lot of work to do, and um, yet I think everybody feels really comfortable about where um, the opportunities are for us. But as we've said a couple times on this call, there's big deals. It takes a while. There's more budget. There's more people. And um, so it's our job to go out and execute in Q4, and uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the end of the quarter. Great. Thanks so much for the color. Our next question comes from Mark Mahaney with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. This is uh, Mike Chinon for Mark. I was just wondering if you could provide a little more uh, color on the international. I know you mentioned uh, Germany and Japan being pretty strong markets, but uh, any more color on some of the uh, other top-performing markets? Uh, and uh, are there any, any specific international markets where you may need to uh, expand headcount a little more than uh, than others? And I have a yeah, hey, Mike. Uh, so it's been 
exactly three years since we opened up our office in Northern Europe, based out of London at, for the UK, and then about two and a half years ago, we opened up uh, Germany and France, and as part of the Southern Europe, we also have uh, an office in, in Italy, and those have been great markets for us. I mean, as Steve said, the growth rate internationally has been uh, tremendous. We uh, 67% uh, growth, which um, is really driven by, you know, the, the luxury retailers in, in Europe are, you know, you, you think about any of the names from France and, and uh, from, from Italy, those, a lot of those uh, customers are, are our customers. We have a tremendous growth there. Financial services is very strong. Um, so our international market, uh, we, we love it. We, we moved uh, Wendy Sturgis over there in February of this year at the beginning of the year as our CEO for Europe. And we have three strong um, MDs that are running the three regions there. Uh, so we we are very optimistic. And, and then in Japan, Japan's been about a year and a half, two years since we hired Udasan. And that has been just a great, great success story as well. So you know, at, at, we have customers in 150 different countries, and of course we have our operation in China as well because a lot of our global brands uh, have operations throughout throughout China, and we have very good relationships with all the publishers, all the, the third-party uh, search engines there. So we we see international as a great growth opportunity, but we're you know we're we're being very careful about not to expand too too fast like we have those three markets four markets including Japan and five I guess if you if you include Italy but all over Europe and and Japan we we see so much opportunity that we're not uh jumping the gun here on others we have others in mind at some point but we're not we don't want to move too fast gotcha and then just in terms of gross margins could you explain again uh, why that came down uh, quarter over quarter and, and year over year? And uh, I know you talked about it being relatively in the range of 73% to 77%, uh, but is that just going to be kind of lumpy quarter to quarter, or is that, is that going to, like, trend uh, or have, like, a particular cadence to it? Yeah, that, that's a good good observation. I mean, all our numbers are lumpy simply because we're doing enterprise business and, you know, revenue's lumpy because of that as well. But we did, just like in sales, made some conscious investments in customer service and support. As Howard talked about, Hitchhikers wasn't a big part of it, but customer support does start to get, we need to get those folks ramped up for answers and our other expansion. So I would look at it lumpy. And if you go back and look at our financial trends, it does run between 73 and 77%. That's why I gave you the year-to-date because it's been kind of settling in the, the mid-74% range. Um, so quarter, the quarter numbers, while I look at them year over year, they are somewhat, somewhat subject to what we do in a particular quarter, but the year-to-dates are going to stay in this mid-70s range as we described. Got it. Thank you. Our next question comes from Stan Zlotsky with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Um, hey guys, uh, thank you so much for taking our question. Um, wanted to go back to um, to answers for a second. Um, so when when you're talking to these customers, and you know clearly there's there's a lot of um, um, stakeholders that are brought to the table in those discussions. How much bigger are these answers um, deals 
when answer specifically is getting involved? Dan, I'd say it's roughly double. Got it. And the the deals that you mentioned that slipped um, out of, of Q3, um, did you close any of them in Q4 yet? Yeah, a few, but there's still more deals to go, and we've got big deals. That's the thing, Stan, as you know. I mean, deals move in and out a quarter, so one slip in one quarter doesn't necessarily mean it's a bigger quarter. We still have got million-dollar deals to take down, and those take some time with budget. Um, but we feel good about where we're at and what we're doing. Got it, got it. And, um, look, you know, I, I – um, I know you don't like to talk about billing, Steve, but um, you know you have a you have a, um, a big seasonal Q4 coming up, um, and you know, although you don't like to talk about billings, the stock does trade on billings. You have a very tough comp coming up, of 49% from a year ago, um, and, and you just printed 12% in Q3. How should we think about billings going into the, the big seasonal Q4? Well, a couple things. As I won't go through my diatribe on why billings is somewhat irrelevant, but that said, you saw Q4 revenues come down because clearly um, our business in Q3 in terms of bookings wasn't where we expected it to be. Q4 is huge, and um, you know, as we said, we have new products, so I'm not going to put any expectations out about billings. The one thing is we'll put both of ourselves out of our misery because we will in Q4 give you year-over-year growth in RPO. We are looking at giving install base and a few other metrics, so billings won't, will become very uh, irrelevant to the conversation as we get our metrics sorted out for next year. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Our next question comes from Brett Nabosch with Berenberg Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, maybe just on you know the recent investments you guys have been making over the past several quarters and Maybe when do you plan on kind of seeing a return on that investment, um, and maybe when should we start expecting to see some leverage in the business? OPEX has just kind of consistently been, you know, outpacing revenue growth, and maybe just how long you expect that trend to continue? I think there's, I think there's a couple aspects of this. One is we said we'll continue to invest in our sales and marketing and our developers just because we've got some great new products, and we're totally uncovered in a lot of markets. Um, although. Jim, as you heard, said he's going to continue to work on sales efficiency and productivity, um, which we're quite well aware of, guys, so it's it's not a surprise. That said, um, part of the dialogue, if you go back and listen to the script, next year for us, we're carrying a lot of excess real estate into next year, and until that kind of sorts itself out, um, there's going to be an overhead to that. I think as we get into fiscal year 22, we start to see the efficiencies in the operate on the broader operation. So there's kind of two things going on that you look at as you look at next year. And again, we'll describe a lot more of this for next year as we get through Q4 and we balance revenue. But we we clearly the number of facilities with our headcount growth we've added. Like I said, London, D.C., New York. We just are sitting in San Francisco today, actually, in new facilities we brought on in the last six months. We've got to outfit all of those, so you're going to see some impacts there. Um, but I think that will go away in 22, fiscal year 22, and then the rest of it is operational efficiency, which we are really driving towards. And you know, it's serious business to get to cash flow break even and operating break even. So that is not lost on us, and that's where we're driving to. I think the product lineup, the fact that we have um, you know strong pipelines, etc., starts to put in place the productivities that we're all looking for over the over the foreseeable future. 
but next year is going to be a little bit challenged because of facilities costs. And then, you know, how should we think about hiring next year? Um, you know, obviously up 45% so far a year. Yeah, well, let, let, let me go into that. I mean, some of it are hiring driven by what we do in Q4, too. So I think those are more appropriate questions as we get through Q4 and where we're going. Not, like I said, we fundamentally will continue to hire developers, and we fundamentally will continue to put sales reps in territories where um, we know we have great opportunity, but we're uncovered. Um, but in, in terms of specifics and totals and all that, I really need to look at Q4 results, and then we'll see how we scale the business next year. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Yep. Great. Thank you, Brett. Uh, ben, we're going to go ahead and end today's conference call, and we look forward to chatting with you in the coming weeks and in January, and wish you all a happy holidays. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. The conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect.